This is No Filter, Black Women Talk Health, the podcast where we discuss current relevant health topics from our perspective. Join Dr. Tammy Singleton and Dr. Sean McKinney to get in on the conversation. It's talk about us, for us, and with us, with no filter. So this is podcast number two. Number two. Yay. Yay. Like, <laughs> like, yay. We've had a great response. Thank you so much for everybody um, who gave us feedback and for listening um, so that we know that we can continue this because we have something meaningful to share. Yes. Thank you all for supporting us, for liking and sharing uh, with your friends and uh, other podcasters, we truly appreciate it. Absolutely. So we know that there are a lot of podcasts out there, and I know that I really enjoy listening to the information that people have to share. And you know, I'm both entertained. I feel educated. I feel empowered. And so hopefully, people will feel the same way. You know, but by participating in this conversation um, with us. So, in that spirit. So I was telling my good friend here, Dr. McKinney, that um, I thought that if we talked about COVID, this was my wishful thinking. I thought that if we talked about COVID again, that we'd be beating a dead horse. True. Um, As much as we want it to be dead. (laughs) Yes. We want COVID to be over as much as everyone else wants it to be over. Yeah, just dead. I want it to die. (laughs) Um, but I don't think that we're, we're, unfortunately, we're not, we're not close to that. And in fact, um, I think as we thought about what our next topic would be, we realized that we have a lot more to talk about, um, with COVID and maybe next time we'll talk about some other things, but, um, we just did our, what, what do we call it? Our virtual homecoming Yes. Um, talk for Xavier University. Gold table talk. It was a gold <laughs> table talk. Yes. Yeah. We did our gold table talk and um, we participated and we talked a little bit about COVID. And I think that that's when I really realized we had a lot more to talk about. Right. So I guess to kick it off, one of the things I thought that we should talk about is where we are right now as a community regarding COVID and some of the things that we perhaps maybe need to think about before we kind of crack the egg open and talk about some of the other topics related to COVID. So I call it the honeymoon period. It, it has been a bit of a honeymoon or sleepy <laughs> period, maybe complacency. Um, well, we learned how to live with COVID a little bit. We put on yes. our masks. We wash our hands. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing more people going more places. I know I've been out to dinner. Yes, me too. Mm-hmm. Cannot deny that. Um, I've traveled a little bit. I have got on a couple planes. I have not yeah, I've not done the plane thing. <laughs> it was, I have to admit, the first time we did it back in May, it was so empty that it felt good and the, mm. cl- the plane was spotless. And when I did it more recently, it was a little scary. Mm. Just a little bit. Because okay. the, plane, the plane was packed. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't have to sit next to a stranger because I was traveling with someone. But 
the thought of having somebody almost touching me. I don't know. I don't know, dog. Just, yeah. <laughs> so I know that, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot for me to handle. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But just that. think about how we used to do that before. Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's like, like, you it's, know, even though we were, you know, we didn't like people all up on us, but you didn't think twice about, I think you I was know, being die. in a seat. Yeah, from a virus yeah. or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but we've, we've done all that. And now we have um, our colleagues in Europe. So it's not just on TV. Our colleagues in Europe are are suffering and working 24-7. And they're going to the hospitals COVID positive to try to take care of patients because there is no one else. Right. We have hospitals in the U.S. that are filling up again. Our numbers are skyrocketing. I think they said we were up to 10 million. Yes. Um, as of today. So the new cases were going in the wrong direction hospitals are filling up again and we're headed into the winter time and it's not even winter yet no <laughs> you know at at most places uh, it's still warm down here where we are in louisiana yeah we have not hit the cold spell where most people are going to be inside so um it does not um uh, forebode anything that's gonna Right. get any better over the next couple of months just as the weather forces us to not be out and mm -hmm. open as much so that kind of brings us to um what's hat what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks and that's the holidays right so we're going to have thanksgiving and we're going to have christmas and i don't know about you but i'm this is what i'm going to say don't do it <laughs> <laughs> right so, don't do it you know, if if your mom and them have haven't already been a part of your germ circle, as I like to call it, mm -hmm. leave it that way. Right. Find another way. Zoom with them. I know we're all tired of Zoom. We're all tired of Google Meet. We're tired of the the platforms that we all have to use. But don't yeah, do it. I think we have to be, you know, very conscious about. Um, how we're going to do gatherings, big gatherings, and not plan to have... And small gatherings. Well, that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. But you know how food and family and fellowship, you know, all of those things go together. And we have not seen family in a long time, you no. know, just because of the virus. So we're itching for an opportunity to come together and and fellowship you know and we all know we need that and um we're missing those we have not seen but we have got to continue to be diligent especially during this time right and um it's all calculated risks um we know that this is a virus you know sean and i are sitting here you know I know that we're both very conscientious. You know, I'm tested, you're probably tested. You know, we're both physicians, people are on us like a hawk. And so we're together, we're not on Zoom recording this. Right. But it's, I would call this like a, this is a, this is a calculated, it's a calculated risk. Right. Um, my kids do go to school, um, another calculated risk, but I also significantly contain them from any and other activities. Right. Um, or anything and other activities. They can't, 
we just can't go everywhere we want to go. They can't be with everyone they want to be with. We can't have people over that we want to have over. We have to have that calculated risk and, and germ circle. So my message for the holidays, you know, folks out there, you know, brown people, tan people, white people, all of the people, <laughs> right. don't do it. Yeah. Just don't yeah. do it. Find, find another way to celebrate, get together with small pe- small gatherings, people that have been in your household, in your germ circle, but leave your cousin them. My cousin <laughs> from Chicago, I love you guys. <laughs> I love my people from Chicago. I love my husband's family from Lafayette and even yeah. here in New Orleans, but it, we haven't been rocking it through COVID. Right. Um, it's just not gonna... It's not worth it. No. Yeah, and it, you know the transmission goes both ways. I mean, Absolutely. we are in the hospital yeah. a lot, so yes. I would feel awful if I'm the one <laughs> to, to send, send you back home with, with something, right. <laughs> right? Because I am in an environment that thank you, you know, is you know could, has more exposure than we're both than most. Right? We're both walking risk factors. <laughs> <laughs> We're both walking risk factors. Uh-huh. So see, this is what you call it. We're taking our calculated risk together. <laughs> we're both walking risk factors. You know, we're not sitting here with a 60-year-old who's a breast cancer survivor, you know, just finished chemo two months ago. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Or even, like, my mom. I, I rarely see my, my mother. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Uh, it does. And when I see her, we have to have, uh, we do wear a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma, you know, I when I go over at the distance mm-hmm. and not for long. Long. Mm-hmm. Not for long. Because mm-hmm. I can't expose my 91 year old grandma. No, you can't expose. You can't no. expose Nana. No. Gigi, go, go. Mm-hmm. Mama. Nope. No, mm-hmm. you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I thought we should start by just saying, guys, this is still serious. We still have a lot going on. Um, the holidays are coming. It's very tempting, and I gotta throw this in. I don't think I don't think that Sean knows this about me. Like I sometimes have insomnia, and I don't want to do work or read, so I'll watch TV, and oh. in the middle of the night, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll, so so you can always call me yeah. because <laughs> you're awake too. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I am awake I'm, and the TV is Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. on. So I, I, I watch Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. And so, you know, I'm going to steal this from Game, Game of Thrones. Y'all, winter's coming. Yeah. Winter's coming and we want to be ready. And so I think that a vaccine, when we have a successful one, will make a difference. It could potentially be a game changer I don't think that it's going to be a game changer alone. No. And for a long time, we're still going to have to social distance, wear masks, and be and be ultra careful because one, we don't know how effective the vaccine is going to be. Two, everybody's going to get the not going to have or get get the vaccine or even have access to the vaccine. If you have access to the vaccine, everybody's not going to want the vaccine. And I can you know we can kind of keep going down the list, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about, right? Right. Like just kind of yeah, we're gonna talk about the vaccine because this is a new development and i think that um we need to be able to obtain the correct information and move forward based on information and what's happening not only in this country but in other countries uh, so that when you get the little snippet 
you know, the two minute little news blurb that you're not just hanging on to that because what they give out in the media is going to be significantly, you know, less information right. than uh, what is really happening. Right. So that's why we're, you know, kind of here to make sure that you get more information than what is presented. Right. So um, in that spirit, uh I thought that we could start off by talking a little bit about or a reminder as to how vaccines are developed and kind of where we are in the world in terms of vaccine development, piggybacking on what you just said, and that is that we've all heard about the Pfizer vaccine, yes. the clinical trial where they said, what, what was it, over 90% response efficacy, rate response or efficacy rate. Um, in terms of the prevention of coronavirus. So what was funny was, as the words were coming out of my mouth, Dr. McKinney leaned over, like she leans over, she leans over and goes, yeah, because I want to know. Who was the... <laughs> I have my list. Yes, yes. And I, I have was, my list of information minds. that has not been given yet. Yes, yes. Now, great minds. I don't minds care about like, your 90% efficacy. I want to know. Yeah. Who were the subjects? Yes. <laughs> right. You know, what, comor what comorbidities did they have? Yeah. You know, what were the ethnicities, A ages? Ages. Yes, um, all of that. We want to know all that the the adverse events, the side effects. You know how. So there are a lot of there are a lot of questions. So in that in that spirit, I thought I would kind of go through really quickly how we how we have clinical trial development or how we have vaccines that are ultimately developed and they're ultimately developed um, in phases started by what's called a preclinical phase and that's when they study it in animals right. and those animals typically are mammals a lot of times with vaccines they're actually monkeys mm -hmm. um, that they're studying vaccines and and those trials can go on for years um, depending on what's being studied in terms of a vaccine and we're both um, basically like cancer doctors. You're a cancer surgeon. You know, I'm a pediatric oncologist. And so we're both very familiar with vaccine trials for cancer. Right. And we know that those have been ongoing for many, many years. Exactly. So some of the technology that's being used didn't start yesterday. Right. The technology in terms of the use of of RNA has been ongoing, ongoing in those preclinical trials and ongoing in clinical trials with humans. So there's a, there's a background to this that a lot of people don't know, but some of this has been going on again in the background for many years. Again, starting with preclinical trials with animals, followed then by phase one, phase two, phase three clinical trials that will typically involve human subjects, Typically, phase one clinical trials, there's a huge emphasis on safety, 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 safety. They're trying to find a dose that, you know, may be tolerated without significant side effects. Then they start to look at a little efficacy as we go into phase two clinical trials, enrolling even more people, maybe over more time. Sometimes those phases can be combined. Sometimes you can have clinical trials phase one, phase two, right? Right. And certainly, as we are going through vaccine development for coronavirus, some of those phases are being combined. Phase one, phase two. But you have to still go through phase one, phase two, phase three, typically before you have approval. But here's where it's interesting. 
And I was kind of reading and some of this. And you say typically. Typically, yeah. I typically, because mm -hmm. here's where it's interesting. So I was referencing a New York Times article. Um, and I think it's very interesting if any of you guys want to take a look at this. It's called the Coronavirus Vaccine Tracker. And they actually do a pretty decent job in terms of laying out where we are with coronavirus vaccines. And it's pretty um, easy to kind of follow and understand, even if you're a non-clinician or, or a non-doctor or non-healthcare provider. And so this goes through phase one, phase two, phase three, describes what that is in terms of safety, looking at the safety of the product, looking at the efficacy, how it works, but it also talks about what happens after phase three. And there, there are a couple of options. You can have early or limited approval. That means you don't wait for the results from the phase three clinical trial. And you proceed immediately kind of in the middle of the phase three clinical trial. And you go, okay, we're going to start using it on regular people, not just people that are participating in the clinical trial. So you can start, we're going to release it. Right. China and Russia are doing that. Of course. Yeah. Now, we, this is not unique to just this viral trial. So right. we see this a lot. Right. Or at least I see this a lot. And you too, Tammy. Yeah. Um, in um, cancer therapies. Mm -hmm. you know, a new drug comes out. And it's gangbusters. It's doing yeah, well. It's doing something. Yeah. You know, we, and it's typically, you know, for us, for breast cancer, they typically always want to try it against some of our known drugs and those who have failed some of the conventional therapies to see if um, patients' lives can be extended um, by several months and weighing um, those differences. So when they see that with the introduction of a new drug, they will fast track it. Uh, onto the stage and allow it to be used in patients currently, you know, who currently have disease that's not responding mm -hmm. to conventional treatment. So mm -hmm. this is not unique to do, um, but again, here in the U.S., there is an approval, you know, for this mm -hmm. to be fast tracked mm -hmm. to be used. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting. Um, the different paths that are being taken again as you mentioned is not unique to coronavirus we do do this with with treatments for cancer um but typically when we're doing it for treatments for cancer we do have some phase three data that yes. has been studied it has been analyzed and we call this an approval with emergency youth use authorization so emergency use authorization when it's kind of right on the cusp of being approved, it may have been you know delayed um, before to enroll more folks. But because we were in the we're in the middle of a pandemic, what you'll likely see is that the Pfizer clinical trial program for vaccines may likely end up being the first, with a few to follow, where it goes through phase one, phase two, phase three a little faster but then ultimately has approval with this emergency release. It's not that they're in right in the middle of very little data in a phase three and they're going straight to release like we're seeing kind of in China and Russia, um, which can be associated with more serious risks. So there's still a process that it has to go through, but what we're saying 
is that in addition to that process, we still want to review all of the data and try to use our skills and our knowledge to determine if it's something that we want to, one, recommend to our patients, two, that we would say for our family and friends, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, we need, we really need the information. So taking that in mind or keeping that in mind, remember preclinical testing, phase one, phase two, phase three, and then approval, those steps still have to be followed. And then you still have to have that conversation with your clinician, with your physician to determine if it's right for you. So in terms of this coronavirus vaccine tracker, there are currently no vaccines that have gone through the final approval process. Right. Not one. But there are six vaccines that have early or very limited approval, not in the U.S., mm -hmm. but outside of the U.S. currently, primarily mm -hmm. in China and Russia. And in those other phases, remember phase one, phase two, phase three, there are 38 phase one trials where we're primarily looking at safety and dosing. We're not ready to see how efficacious or how well it works yet. We're trying to make sure it's safe. Phase two, 14 clinical trials where we're trying to see how safe or efficacious it is. Still asking that question, but now seeing how well it works. And then in phase three, that step that's typically just before approval, there are 11 clinical trials worldwide. So when you look at this list, it's pretty exhaustive. Yes. Right? And so there are various ways that the vaccines are being manufactured, mm -hmm. meaning not just a delivery device, but the technology. The primary one is something called RNA or messenger RNA, where we're taking advantage of RNA to tell your body or your immune system how to make proteins to then ultimately stimulate your immune system to make antibodies mm -hmm. against the virus. Um, interesting. I'd love to talk geek, you know, geekness. <laughs> Geeky. Yeah, I'll yes. about that. But I'm not going to get too deep mm -hmm. into that. But the, the one technology is using RNA. The other technology is using DNA. And then we have technologies that use something called a, a viral vector, where we take the empty shell of a virus and it either integrates into inside of a cell and then stimulates your immune system that way or just the presence of the empty viral shell kind of tricks your body into thinking that the virus is there and you produce antibodies that way but i just mentioned going back these numbers 38 14 11 and 6 clinical trials that are all in various different phases and that and that's why you know, it's important to kind of realize that all vaccines and the method of um, development is not equal. Mm -mm. You know, when you just hear vaccine, you know, most people just think that, okay, Pfizer has a vaccine is the same as, you know, this other company is the same, but they're developing and manipulating uh, the cell in a way that's different for each one of these uh, vaccines and that's part of the reason why it can take or it is taking longer mm -hmm. to try and see what happens mm -hmm. when this is done or when we change this or when we make the body produce this and how long does this affect 
happen? Mm-hmm. How, how long is the immune system stimulated? You know, those are things that really take time to measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, most people really don't realize the amount of painstaking, you know, bench work research yeah that, that goes that goes into on. that yeah yeah and it's it's so fascinating because again there are 52 clinical trials in total in those various stages of development there are another o- over 80 clinical trials in preclinical development so still being studied in monkeys or other mammals um but we have to go through the steps but as you mentioned it's fascinating in terms of what companies are working on what there are some vaccines that are being developed by companies using different technologies as i mentioned but then you have to get two doses of the vaccine Mm -hmm. so here in lies (laughs) some of the issues yes just let's let's go ahead and get to the meat and potatoes right let's get to some of the issues so with with our people especially you know with with people of color with black folks When we start talking about vaccines, first, we have to overcome, going back to our original podcast, we have to overcome the hurdle of education, Mm -hmm. talking about how this clinical trial program that I just described with the various phases, how that's different and how you're not going to be a quote-unquote guinea pig or taken advantage of. Exactly. And most of these trials have a you know, two main tracks. There are those who get the vaccine mm-hmm. or recommend, and there are those that get a placebo, which is, which not, is the not the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't know who is, and yeah, you don't know. It's supposed, it's randomized. Mm-hmm. It's, it's double, what we call double blinded, meaning that um, those giving the injection and those receiving the injection don't know what group they're a part of. And those um, patients on either side are tracked to look at look at the development of symptoms, side effects, um, measure their blood, test animal, whatever they've set up to test in the trial. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, of course, the ideal way to try and set up a trial where there is um, there is no bias or very little bias. Uh, that happens uh, with the trial on both ends. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when we start looking at recommendations, we really need to make sure that people know exactly what company they're getting the vaccine from, what's the method of Mm -hmm. um, distribution, how many doses are they supposed to take, and... um, exactly what they can expect as far as side effects because you know really none of these things will likely be without a side effect if we just think of the flu vaccine some people get the flu vaccine and they actually get mild symptoms of the flu i mean we've heard that before yeah, right yeah, you, you, some de- people, oh, you definitely right. have flu like flu like symptoms, symptoms. Yeah, malaise yeah. and maybe a little fever yeah. or you're tired mm-hmm. or you from know that stimulation, whatever from the stimulation so um, we have to expect that we will hear about some of these things with this vaccine. But here's what's, here's what's interesting, though, Sean. I just thought about this when, as you were talking. Um, but you actually re- should receive, in theory, mm-hmm. 
And I think that this actually happens. If you enroll in a clinical trial program, you will get more details. Yes. You will get more education. You will have more supervision. Yes. You will have more visits to the doctor, more observations. Mm -hmm. Big Brother is watching. Yes. Every box has to be checked. Every T has to be crossed. Every I has to be dotted. If you participate in a clinical trial. And I want to go back and say this. When you participate in a clinical trial, the clinical trial first has to be approved by something called the IRB. And that is a board that governs all clinical trials that any center could conduct and people from all walks of life sit on that board. And they go through every paragraph, every line, every page, every everything with the clinical trial. It is a very, very painful process. Yes, it is to submit something to to the the IRB. IRB. Yeah. So they want to make absolutely certain and they take very seriously that people will be protected if they participate in a clinical trial and everything has to be reported to the IRB, everything is monitored, like it's incredibly intense. So that as we enter this phase where we're looking for vaccinations, if you participate in a clinical trial, actually you have more oversight and more opportunities for education and explanations than you would if you were just receiving it in my office, you know, for example. Now, I'll go through the details with you. Right. I will. And I will educate you, and I will review the data with you. But, and I I throw this question Mm -hmm. out there, but do you you think, too, because I never really thought about it like this until just now, but do you think, too, that there would be certain advantages in terms of getting the vaccine in the clinical trial program phase three i'm not saying phase mm-hmm. one or two Sorry. but there's just they're more so focusing mm-hmm. on the, the safety and not necessarily the efficacy mm-hmm. but if we got to phase three where the safety part they're still evaluating it but the kinks have been pretty much worked out i i think there is some validity to mm-hmm. participating at that phase if um, you are willing to, you know, certainly kind of deal with potential side effects based on your own uh, core morbidities. And, and, but I think that the knowledge and the acquisition of knowledge is mandated to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to understand. Mm-hmm. They will give you paperwork and go through with it, to mm-hmm. go through it, um, you know, line by line to so make that, sure that, that you understand. Of, that chance of informed consent. Yes. You know, may actually may actually be there. But but, but whether you understand that, mm-hmm. you know, um, is a whole is different enough, story. Is a different story. Yeah. Right. And so, make, trying to make sure that um, people from various walks of life um, have an opportunity to really understand what a clinical trial is, what it represents, what opportunities it may present for you as an individual as well as for the community as a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of that probably, sh- you know, should be considered and might be accomplished if, if you participate. 
in a clinical trial. And then there's a big but. but. <laughs> yeah. The big but is having an opportunity to really explain what a clinical trial is, the safeties mm -hmm. that or the safety measures that have been put in place, why they have been put in place, talking yes. about Tuskegee again, yeah. Again. Yes. And and all of the other things that people have endured over time mm -hmm. in terms of the medical profession why those protections were put in place, how they are in place, mm -hmm. the checks and balances is voluntary. You don't necessarily have to do it, but there may be some advantages. And I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting once the data, you know, the really breakdown, that breakdown table data on the participants comes out mm -hmm. from at least the Pfizer trial, because I think that, um, once we're able to see, you know, the breakdown in ethnicity and of course there'll be an opportunity to say we don't have enough, mm -hmm. you know, maybe African-American participants or to make some global, um, you know, recommendations for that community, you know, or African-Americans with core morbidities. Okay. But has the time been put in? to take extra time mm -hmm. to explain everything to in terms of that community. In terms of clinical trial. I think Maybe you not. can get more participation if on the front end, an ex uh, I mean, like, not just one, but detailed explanation mm -hmm. on, you know, what exactly is going to happen and how safe this is and what measures have been taken and all of that needed to be an extra step taken to gain mm. more participants. Here's something interesting I just thought about too, mm. though. As concerned as we are as a community to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're protecting ourselves and our loved ones. And, you know, we're very cautious often about participating in clinical trials mm -hmm. because we don't want to be quote unquote experimented on. Guess what happens after, uh, a therapy is approved is phase four. You're participating but and you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. That's, that's true. You, you're, you're participating technically. Yeah. Yeah. In the clinical trial. Mm -hmm. And you don't know it. True. So what I well, mean that's by that, what we get back the information from the flu vaccine every dog on yes, you know yes, and then we say oh it was only thirty percent effective <laughs> okay so y'all 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 listen listen to this what I'm what I'm trying to say to break this down what I'm trying to say is if you are super ultra concerned about participating in a clinical trial first of all I think that find you you should find someone. Hopefully this will help to this conversation that we're having. But find someone so that you can talk it out, have it broken down so you understand it, to know if you would feel comfortable participating in a clinical trial or not. But what I'm saying is, see what had happened was, <laughs> <laughs> a clinical trial, remember, is phase one, phase two, phase three, where they look at safety on the front end, phase one, phase two, start looking at how well it works, you know, phase two, phase three. And then it's approved typically after phase three, but phase four, they're gathering more data on safety mm -hmm. 
making mm-hmm. sure that after it's been approved that you're still not having a problem with it. So when I jokingly said, <laughs> you don't want to participate in the clinical trial, but you are, All right. is because when you don't sign up to participate, they're still collecting data on how well you tolerated something in that phase four after it's already been quote unquote approved right. by the FDA. So unbeknownst to you, me, and everybody else, for years after a, something has been approved, these vaccines have been approved, you still, y'all yeah. still participating. <laughs> yes, yes. You're still, you really you're still are. participating. Yeah. But really, we're saying it kind of lighthearted, in a lighthearted way now, but we both recognize mm-hmm. how serious it is, the emotion that it invokes. Oh, yeah. When you talk about a clinical trial because of the exploitation that has occurred. Right. In our, in our community. And it's kind of the unknown. I mean, this yeah. is a new virus that they are developing new technology about. So it is um, it is a bit of, you don't know how you're going to react to, you know, exposure to this. But Dr. McKinney, I have a question. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. But we don't know how you're going to respond to Corona. That's true, too. That is very true. So I'm like, if you look at look if you do this or you do this, just to kind of keep it simple and real, you go out there and you get that Rona. <laughs> right. We know Which that people are dying. Up. Well, we know that people are self-exposing. You know. Oh yeah. You, you know, even they bring about you know the whole I'm just gonna get it and then I'll be. No, that's I'll be horrible. okay. No, you're no, not. No, you're not. You, you, well, first of all, you may not be okay. Yeah. Number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, there, we don't know how long you will be protected. We know it's not forever. Uh, <laughs> and and meaning, if you've had coronavirus already, mm-hmm. right? Right. Right. And you're not Superman or Superwoman <laughs> oh, after that. Is it possible that you could be reinfected, reinfected with a new mutant? Yes. So being out there, like not wearing a mask and not being cautious. And um, that's interesting. Yeah. Because the antibodies, you know, have we've seen, at least in testing, that they don't stay around mm-hmm. forever. For a long And time. the other thing is, is that this doggone virus mutates. Mm-hmm. It changes. Well, it's kind of like, <laughs> you see, know, if you so. think about it, like the flu, mm-hmm. the flu virus, to use an analogy, mm-hmm. you know, the flu virus is a little different every year because mm-hmm. it's covering different strains, right? Mm-hmm. So we may, we have to get the flu virus each year to make sure that we're covered because right. the strains are different and we don't maintain that immunity. Right. So the same thing I guess applies right to to coronavirus. So with this whole emergence of a vaccine it's nice that a vaccine is emerging and and may be available. But again, there's some there's some barriers. We already said and mentioned the one the one uh one dose versus two dose. Do two doses. And even the timing of two doses. One company has it at the 14th day. Another company at the 28th day. And what if you forget to go what back it, to get... Thank go, you. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> went out of time. You forgot. You didn't go back to get that second dose. Right. Will, will your coverage still be the same? We and don't then, know that. No, you don't. <laughs> and right. then apparently the way that it has to be transported... Is also very cumbersome. It has to be kept very cold. It has to be kept at minus 80. Yes. Um, 
And then once we have a vaccine that we feel comfortable in terms of its safety and its effectiveness, who's going to get it first? How many doses are going to be made? Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I mean, who, you know, I kind of wrote down like who's the who's going to be the priority? I mean, is it going to be people in tight living situations? You know, what about the elderly in nursing homes where mm-hmm. they can't, you know, get yeah. out? Like, are they going to be mandated to, to have it. it in order to be in the nursing home? You know, what about colleges and schools? Oh, you know, dorms? Don't you bring that up? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, a lot, a, lot of the, a lot of the clinical trials are not going down um, to age 12. Mm. And that's enough. Yeah, they're children. in, they're in, a, they're in adults. There are only a couple of trials that go down to age 12, mm-hmm. and they're not giving the vaccine to children mm-hmm. below that age. They have not been participating in the clinical yeah. trial. And then what about children? You know, like my kids, one of them has asthma, reactive airway. You know, like kind of what is this going to do to that? Am I going to feel okay with, you know, him or her? getting the vaccine when again like you said they're not that there's not that much not that many participants in any of these you know trials for young kids so what does that mean 